Hey, you're listening to Dawn's Censored Fitness Podcast. Today's episode is round two, which follows on from last week's uh, episode covering how to get started in your fitness journey. So in today's episode, we cover all things to do with recovery, such as stretching, sleep, hydration, supplements, the importance of calories, and in particular, macronutrients. And we wrap things up by going through some of the various gadgets that you can get. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello. How's things, lad? All good, you? Ah, uh, we're keeping the best now. Great stuff. Any crack? No, not a bit now. It's winding, getting ready to wind down now for the day. Perfect. Good stuff. Uh, so this is our first part two. So yep. congratulations. We're making strides to success, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so for part one, we covered goal setting, um, as in what, what's your why, how to uh, go about figuring out why you're getting into um, improving yourself and a fitness the fitness journey that you're about to undertake. We looked at uh, neat briefly. Uh, we also looked at then the basics of bodyweight exercises to build up that foundation which then will progress on to compound movements and then we kind of went over the different compound movements and the benefits of them so today we're going to look at the other side of things which is uh, recovery and everything which uh, involves in that so we're looking at things like stretching sleep, hydration, macros and calories. And then I think to finish off, we should give honourable mentions to things like gadgets such as your smartwatch and massage guns and also the different supplements. Yeah, definitely. That sounds good. So uh, firstly, I think we have to say why uh recovery is so important and what's the actual point of recovering from uh from working out and the whole fitness lifestyle um because like i suppose there's uh, there's that quote there where it's uh you can only train as hard as you recover so um how do you find out with clients then do you think um there's this awareness that it's a that there needs to be an emphasis on recovery or how do clients uh, come to you about that? So I, I find that to be, it's, it's quite a, quite a dispersed kind of an area because if somebody comes in with the, with a mindset of, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get stuck into this now for the next six weeks and I'm going to go ham sandwich every day for the next six weeks. And then two days in, they're talking to me like, Oh my God, I can't move. What's going on? So it's, no matter how much you explain it to some people, they just are going to go 100 miles an hour. You know yourself. So recovery is a massive side of things. And it's, yes, it's something I always recommend for people to really get on board beforehand because at the end of the day, you're, you're absolutely kicking the shit out of your body for an hour to help it, to help it get better. At the end of the day, you have to, you have to remember, well, I haven't been doing this before. This is not exactly an easy thing to do for my body. 
I should be really looking at, right, giving it the chance to look after itself and replenish replenish the damage that has been done. So it's recovery is a huge thing when I suppose when put in place correctly from the beginning, it's a fantastic help and it's it it builds up the relationship with training a lot better for people. So I would always recommend it from the very beginning. But you can it's very easy to pick out those people that aren't passing one iota of what you're saying when it comes to that. And then you talk to them three days in. But how are the legs feeling? Oh my god, I can't, I can't move. I, I can't get out of bed. What's going on? What 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 have you done to me? You know? Yeah. But it's 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 a massive thing, but it's in a lot of cases, along with the mental side of it, recovery is probably nine nine tenths of the actual trend. Yeah, I think it's important to uh, preface that when you're actually training and working out, or going for a run, or whatever your form of exercise is, you are literally tearing and breaking down muscle fibers, whether that be type one, type two, a or type 2B, it's important to realize that you're actually tearing down it during the working out because of the mechanical stress that you're exposing to these muscle groups. So recovery is looking at building them back up, but making them stronger. And that's where you get this muscle building process. Yeah, completely. This is the, the point I always bring back to people that say, I, I want to visibly be able to see my abs or I want to I want to trim down and I want to look better. So that point I will always make when I'm having a consultation with somebody of, don't forget that point we've always been told all our lives when we were growing up, anything that's hard or something that's difficult to get or something that's that we always aspire to, if it's worth it, it's going to be hard to get to it. So it's, it's always going to be a difficult road to travel. So if you visibly want to see your abs, they're not, it's not an easy thing to get, so it's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful, but I'd say if it's, if it's hard got, it's something that's going to be well, it's going to be well thought of and well looked after. So I suppose to, to kind of tighten that up into a point, it's really, you have to see the benefits of it. And I suppose that, that pain is, is essentially a, a motivation to push you on in a way to, to succeed in a lot of cases, but for some people, that's not that's not a motivator. It can be a killer. So that's why having a good recovery regime in place can be the can be the difference of doing it for the six weeks or doing it for the six minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think also it's very important to realize that uh, larger muscle groups such as your glutes and your quads and your back muscles and your pecs or your chest muscles. These muscle groups, they require 48 to even sometimes 72 hours to fully recover. And then for the smaller groups, you might get lucky and get away with the 24-hour turnaround. So this is your calves, your biceps, and your triceps. Uh, so like you can get away with training them more frequently. So you could easily do three sessions a week with the smaller muscle groups, whereas the larger ones you'd be pushing you would be pushing to get uh two muscle or uh, two sessions per week with larger muscle groups so um those saying about uh, arm day every day or uh for the women i suppose it's uh glutes 
and hammies all day, every day, it requires a bit of uh, thinking. Like you can't actually beat them up the whole time and train them. No, completely. I suppose, like with the the point I said to you at, uh, in the last part there, and it's it's a very important one. A boxer isn't going in for twelve rounds of high intensity every every day or every week, even. As I say, they've got to they've got to build up to it. They've got a training camp, and then they've got quite a I suppose each each to their own, but they've got quite a sizable break period and recovery period afterwards also. So you use that for a prime example. If somebody is absolutely trying to take your head off of your shoulders for 20 to 30 minutes, that's that's quite a high-intensity kind of source of a exercise. So <laughs> a lot of people may turn around and say, oh, well, after a, a leg workout, I can feel the same sometimes, or after an upper body workout, I can feel the same. So it's it's a prime example to show that you need you need to understand what the feeling of pain and pressure is also, which is which is a huge part of it. But the way the way you bring it back to it is if you're training for aesthetics, that would be for your bodybuilding side of things, or if you're training for performance, that would be essentially your strength training. So your when it when it comes down to strength training, it's always more so it's more a long term goal. So it could be strength training just for your own mind or for a team sport or essentially the other side of the coin will be if you're training for your aesthetics or training for the bodybuilding. It could be for a bodybuilding show. It could be for a wedding. It could be for a holiday you have coming up in a couple of weeks. So a lot of the times the, the time frames can be a lot stricter and I suppose it can be, I suppose essentially it's a, it's a little more personally so you can realize, well, these are going to be a difficult six weeks so I need to, I suppose, ramp up the effort and just realize this is going to be difficult. This is going to be harder rather than making a slow kind of manageable progression with your, with your strength training side of things. So it's it's something, I suppose, that you have to, I suppose, <laughs> we're bringing it back again to the onus on the person, essentially. So when you're looking to really zone in on, on areas like this, yes, having a coach is fantastic because if you have somebody else that can tell you, look, you're doing a great job, but just just dial it back a bit. Take a break. Take today off. Take tomorrow off. Like have a lie in. Give that session a rest. It's gonna give you far more to do the session tomorrow. Nine times out of ten, you know in your own head, yeah, look, look he's right. I should take the day off. But when you can hear it coming from somebody else, it's always just that bit of reassurance rather than you know, if the demons in your head of, oh God, if I don't go, I'm not going to get my results, you know? So it's always having that, having that little bit of accountability is a great help. And it just, it really brings you back to, I suppose, from day one, brings you back to your why, and then brings you back to really finding out, look, yes, I mightn't get there today. It's not going to happen today, but I got to remember, well, I still got to be able to get up and function tomorrow. So don't, don't essentially live by, that idea of I've got to kill myself, go 100%, 100% all day, every day, and then not worry about, well, what happens tomorrow? Well, I guess I say, I annihilate my legs today. Well, am I going to be able to get up and function or am I going to be able to drive my car tomorrow? You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a very important one. Yeah, I think uh, you're really tapping in there to the idea of avoiding uh, overtraining. And when I say overtraining, like 
when I first heard it, it was always the idea that you're training too much when in fact it's more to do with you're not training smartly and you're not giving enough attention to recovering fully. That's where that idea of overtraining comes from. It's you're neglecting the recovery side of things, which when you're fully recovered allows you to train a lot better. So you're you're really tapping into that idea of avoiding the overtraining, which can lead to just fucking up your there's the first curse of the this episode. Um <laughs> into this where it'll just mess up your uh, central nervous system, which will then um, play havoc then with your immune system. So you'll start getting sicker. You're going to start missing days just, and you could, you could end up just being bed bound for a day or two. If you go full Monty and Mm -hmm. first day of training, you jump straight into doing a 10 K or even a half a marathon. Like you're you're not taking the small steps, you're not being smart about how you're training or are you actually getting enough rest, getting enough calories, are you allowing yourself to recover? Oh, completely. As I say, like like with the point I said to you before, we have to essentially slightly think of ourselves as a machine or as a robot really in a way of you're not gonna hop into your car and okay, I'll turn the key and I'll just go 100 mile an hour straight away you got to build yourself up you got to come out you got to come out of your game you got to get on the road you got to build your speed up so training is the exact same as that as i say you're not going to go in and you're not going to 100 pound deadlift or 200 200 pound deadlift on day one because someone else does it you know you're going to really need to just come out of the blocks slowly work your way up and even the guy that's training once a week for 40 minutes, but he's not warming up, he's not cooling down, or as I say, there's there's nothing in his hand by way of water or any drink, as I say, that guy can be bedbound a lot quicker from overtraining to the guy who's working meticulously, being very smart, and he's getting some form of a session in seven days a week, I suppose. Some people can look at training seven days a week as that's madness, but if you look at it of well, Today is a mobility session. Tomorrow is a strength session. The next day is a, an agility session or an accessory session. So if, it can, if it's broke down correctly, yes, it can be done brilliantly over the seven days. Whereas it, it cuts out the hassle of trying to put that into three days and probably making things more taxing on the body. So it's, it's all about having that little bit of knowledge and that little bit of an education to realize what can my body actually do? Because... I might want to live by the plan and the exercise regime of ex athlete, but I may not, not have their, you know, yourself, their training age, their even their mindset of they might be fit to work through a pain barrier, which I cannot, you know. So that's a that's a huge side of things, also. Yeah, um, you could you kind of you brought up a good point there about cooling down and. Uh, warm-ups before and after sessions so uh, I'd like to pry your uh, head for a bit on um, stretching and the importance of warm-ups and cool-downs what's the process you have for uh, clients when it comes to uh, these types of uh, things well for Annie it's it's mandatory for myself be it an online client or a face-to-face client even an exercise class 
their minimum two and a half minutes, five minutes set aside for the start and the end of each cast because it's just it's just the general, I suppose, what do you even call it, the code of practice and just the general kind of care, duty of care for people. That's the word I'm looking for because I bring you in right now and you're late for class. Class is supposed to start at 5 p.m. and you jump on a spinning bike and go 100 mile an hour straight away, which which happens where you come in to a, a kettlebells class and you pick up a 10 kg kettlebell and throw it above your head or you jump into a squat. Your body is completely cold because, as you know yourself, 99% of the people that are coming into a class or are looking for help are those people that are struggling to find time because they're in an office job. So if I'm sitting down on a computer all day, every day, and then I jump on a spinning bike and try to go with 100 mile an hour or I pick up a kettlebell because I'm late into a class, I need to just get going and I jump up for the pace. That's going to be detrimental on your body because you're you're going from doing absolutely nothing to something so that's bringing it back to the zero to 100 mile an hour idea straight away so that's that's going to develop a bad relationship with exercise also because you're going to feel in absolute ribbons the next morning and even if you're lucky enough to get to the next morning you could do detrimental damage to your back legs head anything in that in that time even during the class. So it's, it is my number one point with people. I always, always make the time to, to get that warm up in and that cool down because it's, it's duty of care and it's really looking after your body. Uh, I suppose what I'm looking to ask you is, say you're going in with someone and it's an upper body session. Would you be one of those, because uh, I see it the whole time with people, they'll hop on the treadmill for five, ten minutes, and that's their warm-up, even though they could be doing an upper body session. Do you think that's an efficient uh, type of warm-up, or are you looking at, I'm, tar- I'm doing upper body today, so I should be focusing on doing actually an upper body warm-up? What I, what I would be honest about it is, look, it's just each everybody is to their own, I suppose. I don't want to be sitting on the fence here, but I, I would be definitely against having somebody warming up on a treadmill. So if they, if they did want to use cardio for a warm-up, even if they had the five-minute spare, I would have them on an elliptical machine where they're just working their arms or even on the ski org machine. So look, you, you work to what's available in the gym, but definitely uh, a static, I do try to bring in a static and a dynamic stretch. So have them even just, just shoulder rotations and just kind of kind of excess kind of uh, plyo kind of stretches in the in the arms. So just to really kind of put that kind of little bit of tension in the in the joints to warm it up nice and slowly because you have to essentially when it comes down to using weights, because if used incorrectly, as you know yourself, they can be extremely dangerous, whether it's one kg or 25 kg you're lifting above your head. If, you're, if your joints and your mobility is cold, that can be a very, very scary place to be. So it's just, as again, it's just duty of care 101. So I would, look, you're never going to have anything wrong. There will be always those people that, oh, can I do 10 minutes on the treadmill beforehand just you know, to get that bit of a sweat or to get myself warmed up? Look, as I say, it, the placebo effect that does work with people also, and if somebody feels they're warm, it'll always help. But 
no matter what, be it legs, back, arms, shoulders, I will always do the, a mix of dynamic and um, static stretching because it's, I suppose, in my, in my opinion, and I suppose from any research I've done or any, I suppose, courses and education I've got in the background, it's, it's the most important thing to do. Yeah, I suppose uh, just for clarity, when you say dynamic stretching, what are you looking to uh, to perform? So for dynamic stretching would be an example of essentially shoulder shoulder rotations and uh, I suppose arm movements. So it's even kind of mimicking the exercise movement you're going to do. So rotating your shoulders, I suppose, moving your arms across your body and just essentially on your feet, so walking around, share, I suppose, shaking things out and just putting that kind of excess stretch against the body. So going, going kind of uh, bringing a clockwise, counterclockwise movement. So putting that slight kind of overstretch on the body to, I suppose, warm up the, the muscle fibers and prepare, prepare them for the strain. And then with your, with your static, your static warm up. So that's essentially you're, you're standing still. So the overstretch on the joints and on the and on the bones. So it's just really just getting that kind of rotation and that movement in place beforehand. So rolling out those wrists essentially would be the most important of your static stretches, and keeping keeping the shoulders warm and then keeping them active. That's essentially where I'm going with those points. And then just an example of a dynamic stretch for the lower body. Would you say walking lunges? Would be a good one. Yeah, walk, walking lunges and high knees and a big one that can be, I suppose, left aside sometimes is a groin stretch, as it, it it's it can be quite it can be quite a killer and quite a simple injury to pick up. Just even just a we do call them, um, I suppose, stepping stepping across stepping over the fence, stepping back across the fence, and just getting the groin away from the body. So you're getting a nice external rotation on your leg. So it's it keeps keeps everything the area that you're working, keeping everything strong and keeping everything moving. Yeah, so um then what would be uh, follow the same pattern then or would it be something slightly different? Yeah, so for a cool down, I suppose the, the numbers I would bring in for warm up to cool down, so I would always bring it, I suppose, three to five to ten seconds for the warm up. And so I suppose holding that stretch for that period of time, and I would always try to double up on a, on a cool down. So if we're getting, I suppose, three, five, ten seconds, we want to be getting, I suppose, five, ten to fifteen. I suppose for a hard, heavy session, we'd want to be getting a twenty-second hold on each stretch. So it's keeping things quite slow. So bringing the breathing back down. So it's, it's going to be a quite a quite a comfortable, quite an easy place to be. You're just keeping things slow concise and just really essentially getting the getting that lactic acid i suppose released out of the body as best you can so as you know yourself the lactic acid i suppose it's the it's what we build up when we're when we're really um when we're really working an area of the body really well so it's it's going to help release that i suppose and just essentially i suppose what's the simplest way to put it massage it out of out of the body as best we can you know yeah and um is it solely 
static stretching you do or would you also incorporate then the dynamic stuff for your cool down i would i would keep it both along the same line so i would have a, a slow dynamic work to, uh, warm down to start with so once we finish the, the the last exercise we would take a couple of minutes to do a nice slow dynamic workout and then once we brought the brought the uh God, i'm losing the word there once the heart rate had come back down to a normal a normal rate then they would be essentially working into their static stretches so it's it's not something i would go from again 100 mile an hour back down to zero so they would be slowly bringing their heart rate back down coming back to a normal breathing pattern and then they just get their get their stretches in nice and slowly uh, i suppose then since we're still kind of on the topic of being in the gym something which is quite important to consider is hydration not even just in the gym when you're doing the work but throughout the day uh what would be your uh process for i suppose setting a guideline to uh, a client coming to you or or even monitoring their levels of hydration throughout the day yeah so i i always add it in meal plans or to just even into the general diary that a person would keep of keeping track of into three or four liters so i would always try to use a gauge for no matter who you are as a starting point to gauge from two liters of water a day that's that's a that's quite a manageable task for anyone i'd, I'd imagine in a lot in a lot of cases and then as as they progress build it up i suppose there's there's many different kind of ideas of how much water a person should be should be drinking each day. I, I've seen a study there before where the 100 kg person, so that's roughly around my own my own weight, should be drinking up to 4.3 liters of water a day. So that's just a kind of a gauge point to work from. So that's the amount of water that you should be drinking each day. But developing that little bit of a knowledge with the person to realize. This is the amount of water you should be drinking and consuming. So that should be in your body. You must remember that you're going to have to up that once you're bringing your activity levels into it also. So that's, I'd say these, some of the, some of the uh, stories and some of these different um, topics can be slightly misled and people can take them up wrong in some ways of, okay, so I should be drinking 2.3 liters of water per day. And somebody's just sold in on, drinking the 2.3 litres and then they're still wondering why they're feeling lethargic because they're after doing a spinning class or they're after hiking and they're they're forgetting I suppose the essentially the sweat that you're excreting while you're doing that that's water leaving your body also so I suppose I wouldn't I wouldn't have the full uh, scientific terminology on it as I'm sure you have but you need to kind of uh, add, add in essentially minimum another 500 mil for for exercise when you're when you're bringing in your daily water intake yeah i think it's important to uh to make people aware that when you're considering how much water you should drink a day you should ideally there is metrics such as basing uh, the number of liters per kilo body weight that's generally what most people do uh yeah. i think it's very important to to uh, state that when you feel thirsty, that's when you know that you're dehydrated. And the longer 
you put that off and the thirst you become, you're going to become your decision making is going to be a lot less. Your power output is going to be a lot less. You're just going to go flat and decrease your energy levels because a large percentage of your body is made up of water. So I know I don't want it to be a case that people will misinterpret this thinking that, oh, if I drink water, I'm going to get heavier. Yeah, it's a water waste of uh, waste. can weigh a kilo or whatever if you drink a litre and you drink that, you gain a kilo, but it's necessary to maintain homeostasis and so by default, it's necessary to live. Exactly. Look, it's it's very easy to to realise it, but you can can get any scientist to break it down. There there ain't a huge pile of calories in the natural natural tap water. I said you can can get all your fancy flavoured waters, but it's it's the it's the most most glorious drink in terms of zero calories. So, no matter at the end of the day, yes, there's there's different studies to say you can you can over drink water. Look, you'd want to be going into some pretty heavy numbers, to be open, and to be overhydrating your body. As I say, you're gonna be you're gonna be doing pretty damn well if if somebody's turned around and telling you that you're overhydrated. Nine nine out of ten, it's the it's the opposite side of the track you are, but it's. Look, as I say, it comes down to the, the person off at the end of the day. So, look, it's it's a necessity at the end of the day that people need to bring in. And I can see a lot of people that simply may have no interest in exercise and anything like that, even just open their uh, their their water intake daily. The changes is scary as they turn around and tell you, oh, my God, I'm going to the toilet 10 times a day. Even only going to the bathroom once a day or twice a day before that, and look as I say, that's something that has to be looked into more so because it's that's huge. I suppose if you're a 12, 13, 14 stone person and you're going to the bathroom two, three times a day, that's that's unheard of for the amount of water that our body should be circulating daily. Yeah, I think it's um, it's quite important to realize that. You also need it to drink water and stay hydrated to prevent from a fitness side of things to prevent cramping and the build up of muscular soreness because your body needs this uh, stuff. And like a good, the good reference guide is the color of your pee for how how well hydrated you are. Oh, completely. I suppose as like what I say to a lot of people, look, it can be quite crude in some ways, but. If it's coming out the way it's going in, that that's your that's your greatest point to put down on it. So if you're if you're putting a couple of liters of water a day into your body and it's essentially coming back out the same way, look, you're you're on the right track. But if it's coming out, if it's coming out like apple juice or anything along those lines, you know that's things need to change. So it's a very hydration is a very simple thing to track and a very simple thing to keep an eye on, and it's. It's not something that you can really joke or you can try to cod somebody on saying, oh, I've drank my three litres or my four litres of water a day because once you step into a session, you can see very easily. And look, if you've, if you've had alcohol or anything like that the day before, as we know, it was a, a huge a huge dehydrator. They, they're the prime example. And it's, it's quite an easy thing to visually see in a person if they're dehydrated. So it's, look, it's a, it's a massive side of things. And it was something that, 
a topic that needs to be talked about on on its own solely in a way probably but it's it's a massive a massive massive thing in just general life along with fitness yeah like i think uh, easy way to incorporate increasing your water intake is even having a bottle or a pint glass uh full for the morning so the first thing you wake up you have that so you're getting in 500 maybe 500 uh, milliliters of water first thing in the morning and then i see they're quite popular now is them chill bottles them metallic bottles which is about a liter and uh or 1.25 liters and they keep the water uh fairly cold like i see them all over the place now and work and just in general like that's a great way to kind of if you have that on your person and you're carrying it about about the place more than likely you're going to have some water oh look it's, it's brilliant and even look at all these fancy bottles and they're all the, the these plastic free bottles and they look they're, they're it's a great initiative to be seeing that all they're Look, you're you're saving the planet by not using plastic bottles, you know, single-use plastic bottles each day. But even just some of these little simple kind of quirky bottles of a kind of a tight time stamps during the day of look, you, you have your two-liter bottle and uh, a gauge where it should be at by eleven a.m. Gauge where it should be at by one p.m. Gauge where it should be at by five p.m. Which, which I think is brilliant because a lot of people do work by that system of oh, Jesus. The, the, here's my deadline this is what I have to be at so it's that little bit of a kind of a you know push push comes to shove kind of a side of things so that's that's another side of things it's always a great help but it's at the end of the day look I even have a couple of clients there that really do struggle to drink water and you just you add in your little um, your little my wadi your little squeeze of my wadi or you have your little my wadi and Robinson's they're 100% sugar free look any of those kind of additives Look, they're, they're there to help. So essentially, they're down to like a little bit of a supplement. So if you can have two liters of diluted my wadi each day, it's a hell of a lot better than having your your two liters of fanta or having your two liters of anything else. So you're still you're still getting your water in. Yes, you're gonna have to add in. You're getting a little bit of extra sugar on board. But as they say, it's it's those two liters of water are still a hell of a lot more beneficial than if you were being brute force and ignorant to make the person drink the two liters and barely get even 500 mils of it, you know? So it's, you have to find that balance also, but there's, there's ways and means to get to it all the time. Yeah. I think uh, another important aspect to look at then would be sleep and the important role that plays. Again, it's such a large topic and we probably will do that by itself at a later stage and kind of develop further on it, but it does deserve a, a mention anyway. And we'll kind of briefly go through the benefits of it and why why it's so important to the overall aspect, not even just fitness, but life in general. Oh, completely. As I said, sleep is it's something that has been, I suppose, in some rounds it can be put down of, oh, look, you don't need a huge pile of sleep and, as good old Arnold Schwarzenegger said before, you just you just need to sleep faster, you know, and all this side of things. But look, I'd say it's it's there as a good daily recommend recommendation to be getting your eight hours a night. You can you can very vouch for in myself, as you can see it. Look, I I've got a a, a small child there as is at the at the moment, and 
I seen there for luckily enough, it's not too bad now. But in the in the earlier days, you were maybe hitting your three four hours a night if you were lucky. And I can see now as I'm getting back close to the close to. I'm not there, but I'm getting close to the eight hours a night. And my God, there is some difference in just your your overall energy output and just just your the general how you are one hundred percent of the time of how happy you are, how much energy you have, and how. <laughs> How ratty you are, as you've said. It's just, it's massive. There's, there's a lot to be said for it to say that the teenagers that, that sleep till one o'clock in the day, eh, a lot of them are fairly, they mightn't look like they're energized, but I'm sure if, if push comes to shove and they had to do something, they can do it. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's, uh, it's very important to realize that for probably a long time this idea of sleeping for an extended period of time was seen as lazy and unproductive whereas now it's kind of it's become a lot more prominent lately uh the past couple of years and there's been more and more research done uh you mentioned there about eight hours of sleep is a good average um so there's different stages of sleep and once you once you go to sleep there's the stage the first stage is where you're awake then it uh moves into light sleep and then it goes then into your deep sleep and then finally into your REM sleep which is your rapid eye movement uh sleep cycles and these these last for 90 minutes and on average, you should be looking to get four to five of these REM sleep cycles. So that's between seven and a half and nine hours. So when people say you need the eight hour sleep, that's the average or that's the middle between the two. So you're looking to hit though, between that four and that five uh, REM cycles per night. And what what happens there is... It essentially allows your body to download all the information throughout the day and to remember all the stuff that you have have uh, obtained and processed throughout the day and it allows you to actually remember all the stuff. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, when you sleep, your body produces HGH, also known as human growth hormone, uh, so this allows you to, this allows your body to grow and to produce uh, more muscle mass. So um, it's very beneficial and also allows, it gives your chance, your body a chance for the muscle fibers to recover. So these are some of the benefits to consider when going, getting your sleep. Yeah, that's. That's hitting. That's ticking all the boxes I had in my head. To be honest, really, yeah. That's that's essentially what you need to do because we have to we have to treat ourselves like a machine, essentially. At the end of the day, so look, if you're running at a hundred miles an hour all day, every day, that's that can only go on for so long. So as I say, you can you can run a machine at full power day and night for 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 ten years without stopping. It could it could go perfectly for the ten years without stopping, or after day one it could collapse and it could stop. And say, each person I suppose can can channel it or can I suppose 
gravitate towards it in a different way, I suppose. A lot of people think you've got your stimulants and you've got everything else to work up to it, but the, the long and the short of it is to live your best life for your for the longest period of time possible. I suppose really banking towards those eight to nine hours each night is is the most important really. So look it's just it's about making that time and look make you need to make that make that thought process or that sacrifice in your head of look, well, I'm gonna work harder and not get those eight hours each night or look, I'm gonna get those eight hours each night and I'm gonna be able to work more efficient and I'm gonna work while I'm awake again during the day because sixteen hours is a long time during the day to be able to kind of give away those eight then to really recharge the batteries essentially. That's the, the I suppose the simplest way to put it for the listeners just to, to recharge and to get yourself prepared correctly for the next day. Yeah, like um I think for anyone who's looking to again we will go over this at a later stage, but for anyone looking to find out more about sleep or to improve your sleep, I would highly recommend uh, reading a book by Matthew Walker, and that's called Why We Sleep. And that goes through several case studies of the importance of sleep and the the benefits of it, but uh, and REM sleep and deep sleep, but also then the downside of uh, getting a, not getting as much sleep and also night shifts so that's something worth considering and also for for actually practicing getting into REM sleep uh, if you just go on to google and type in sleep calculator uh, what that does is you can select your bedtime or the time that you plan on waking up in the morning and it will tell you what time you need to go to sleep at or what time you need to wake up at and then this will provide you with a series of time slots and based on that sleep series it will give you the number of REM cycles which you will will get per those time slots so there's some good tools to use but again it's something we will look at again at a later date yeah that's brilliant for um so we'll then move on to uh, the importance of calories and macronutrients when taking into account recovery from a hard training session. Yeah, so look, it's very simple, as you say. What, what, what gets burned needs to get replaced, needs to get replenished. So I always bring that back to, I bring calories back to the, to the diesel in the car. So if I'm going to be traveling 100 kilometers today i need to remember and i need to know well i need to have 100 kilometers in my car to get that 100 kilometers journey so i cover the 100 kilometers i get there okay so i still need to be back afterwards so i'm going to replenish my car with another 100 kilometers of diesel to get home again so essentially for that session is I need to I need to have that energy in the body to do that leg session. And then we need to, as I say, it comes back to your repair and your recovery. We need to have the energy and the calories essentially in the body, then also afterwards to recover correctly. Because at the end of the day we cannot we cannot recover on fresh air. I don't see any studies coming on that of like any session on fresh air. It's uh, it's it's a 
essentially it comes back to the the refueling. So it's it's more it's more down to refueling rather than recovery. So it's having the having the body back to one hundred percent again. So the only way it's going to get back there is by refueling. Yeah, I think it's uh, important to mention that depending on your goal, the amount of calories which you're looking to consume is very much dependent on whether you're looking to maintain your body weight to increase it, so to gain more muscle mass quicker or to go the opposite end and go for deficit and decrease body fat and your weight. So that's a very important thing to look at. But um, it's very important to look at your calories, which we mentioned in episode two, where we broke down uh, calories and the essentials of that but also to look at protein and the uh, amount of protein which you need to consume on a day. So when you're, when you're with your clients and someone comes to you about, oh, protein, uh, I see it everywhere. I see it in a protein bar, uh, yogurts, uh, my cereal has it. Uh, how much do I actually need and what's, this, what's the big deal with protein? Yeah, so I know that I suppose that in, in a lot of different scales and a lot of different kind of vitamins, it's varied. I know the the recommended daily intake is between one point three or one point five grams per per gauge per kg of body fat. I know you may know the exact terminology on that yourself, but it's recommended along those numbers of of your daily protein intake for the general. I suppose that's for the that can vary between the, the sedentary gentleman or the sedentary person. And the, and the active person. Yeah, like um, according to the Olympic Committee for building muscle, you'd be looking at 1.7 uh, grams of protein per, sorry, per uh, kg. So someone like me who's at around uh, 86, 85 kilo mark, I'd be looking for about 150 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. So... Again, you you would probably be looking for around 170, 180 grams of protein. So I think it's important to, um, to realize that you do need it in order, in order to maintain your muscle mass. Because I know, I find particularly with women, there's this idea that protein will make you bulky. And I suppose with older generation, because yeah. they assume if you have any bit of it, it's going to somehow make you look like uh, Frank Colombo or or even Arnie, which is a bit absurd. Yeah, look, that's the thing. There's been such, essentially such a buzzword, or I suppose Hollywood or Instagram, whenever you want to bring it back to, has really brought in this idea of all oh, protein, all oh, protein shakes, all the big guys take protein shakes. And as I say, you, you never see a woman taking a protein shake when she comes out of the gym. But people forget that, or having that uh, chicken and rice after the gym, or having even just having a couple of slices of turkey after the, after a gym session. I said there's a lot of a lot of different and a lot of efficient ways to get that that protein source in after the gym session. So it's just essentially it comes back to I suppose building up that bit of a knowledge yourself, or going and finding out about that knowledge from somebody who's able to who knows what they're talking about. 
Yeah, like I think it's important to realize that protein's not just for recovering and repairing your muscle fibers. Like when you break it down, you need it for your hair, your nails, you need it for your eyes, you need it for a large variety of just maintaining homeostasis and just having your body working normally. So like it's not that hard to incorporate it into your diet, but it's like you don't need to go near supplements straight away. But at the same time, it's very easy to get fuck all uh, protein into your diet if you're not if you're not giving it the attention it needs. Oh, completely. What I bring it back to saying to people is getting a good level of protein and hitting your protein targets for the day is just as important as hitting your water intake for the day because essentially it's it's one of the most important things you need it's because it's it keeps it keeps you alive it keeps it keeps the lights on it's not it's not a case of you can treat the same as carbs or people can cycle their carbs you can't you can't cycle you cannot cycle your protein intake during the day because that's going to have detrimental effects in your body because you need your body, your body craves protein essentially in a way that it needs it to to stay alive. For you to function as a human being, you need you need that level of protein because that's that's why it's varied to the to the person at a hundred kg to the person at fifty kg, and it's it's essentially it's it's an, it's a it's an it should be brought down as but essentially in some cases it is an essential requirement. Yeah, I think it's uh, very important to realize that on the back of a packet of any food product where it has the daily recommendations, they're just an average and a minimum for your protein, carbs and fats. Because when you look at it and it's saying average male slash female for that, it's your 2000 calories and then it's 50 grams of protein. Like that's not taken into account an active person or someone who is seventy plus kilo. No, definitely. Look, that's what the, the big part of it is. Is that I'm saying it come back to my fitness pal and everything like that. That is always bringing it back to the average person. And nine nine times out of ten, you are not that average person. You may be ahead or you may be behind that. So that's the that's the big the big one to know on that is, and it's huge of. That's always just a recommended, and like it's the same for the amount of calories that can be in, 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 in a food source. It could be on a box. That could be for the recommended weight that you should be, or the recommended amount you should be taking. So it's, it's always idea. I suppose that read, read the fine print essentially, and know the, know the brass tacks and know the details. Yeah, like um, I think it's very important to then realize that. Will will actually this will actually serve as a good introduction to this side of things, the idea of supplements and you don't need to be going around with your protein shakes or your boost protein bar or protein yogurt. You can get it through, as you said, your turkey slices, your chicken, or vegan option. You could be looking at your different nuts, your peas lentils um and lot um all them almond al- almond milk and all those things like it's you don't need to go straight for the protein shakes which is very important to for people to realize completely it's as i said that's the i suppose the big 
the big kind of marketing side of things of all oh, protein, protein, protein shake. It's it's down to the convenience side of it also. It's it's a great kind of a quick fix to get your to get your protein kind of numbers in, but it's the same as you make you make a good homemade mince burger or you grab one in McDonald's. Yes, you might have the same protein protein requirements in both, but their quality levels are there's a big difference in them. So that's that's suppose the best the best kind of point to bring it down to. Your your, your quality is always a lot better than your quantity. So even if you're if you're below your your, your daily protein intake of good whole foods or essentially homemade or homegrown protein is always a lot better than I suppose the, your processed or your your shop bought or your your fast food shop type of it. Yeah, like um, this idea that you need to go buy the supplements straight away. If you can get it from your diet, do that. Like, there's I'm not listing uh, supplements at all because I use them. They are very cost efficient. You, it works out. You can probably get a tub of protein, and you'd probably be pay. It probably works out about a euro, maybe euro fifty a day for about 25 to 30 grams of protein depending on what you're getting so that's important to realize but like i think a good a great man for it is brian Keane, and he goes on about it the whole time about a protein bar it's just a chocolate bar with protein added into it exactly. so you have so, to be very I sorry go on yeah sorry it's, it's, it's very simple like we could we, we could put a protein stamp on our water tomorrow that we're taking out of the tap. It's it's a it's a sad way to look at it, but essentially it is it is a buzzword in a lot of ways, protein obviously. But the, a lot of the times I say to people when they're talking about supplements, they should I be taking supplements? I would always say, look, Google what supplement means or look in the dictionary and see what supplement means. It's something you use to supplement your diet if you cannot get it on board yourself. So if you cannot get your seven meals a day on board, but you're training to the intensity to need seven meals a day, yes, you would be supplementing in your extras, you know? So it's, it comes down to you personally. It's if you, do you need to supplement? I says because somebody you're following on Instagram is supplementing their diet, that does not mean you need to use supplements. So as I say, look, and I, I'm an advocate myself, look, they, they can work great. Look, everything serves purpose if used in the right in the right format or used in the right kind of layout. So it's it can be a brilliant thing, supplements, and it can be it can be a big hindrance if used incorrectly or if if the knowledge behind how to use it isn't there. Yeah. Uh, very, very valid, dear, what you're saying. I'm just a bit conscious of time. So I think again we'll talk about uh supplements uh, uh the rest of the different types of supplements at a later date uh because yeah. i really want to talk about the different types of technology and gadgets which you can incorporate but also you don't need to get straight away if you're just starting out and that's things like your smartwatch things like even a, a strap to monitor your heart rate and also massage guns, because all of them stuff are becoming very popular very recently. So what's your thoughts on them? 
I find, I suppose, essentially bringing it back to the, the point that you made, yes, they are fantastic because they, again, they serve a purpose. So the massage gun is, is another great thing. It brings in your recovery side of things. Look, it's something that is dialed up a lot. It can be, you, you can do it naturally, but it's, it comes down to your convenience. And as I say, you can try to track your, your daily steps also on a daily occurrence. But if you have a watch there, look, it cuts out, I suppose, the hassle of trying to track your steps. Or, as I say, if, if you were trying to count your steps manually in your head each day, look, that would be, that would be an impressive feat if you can get your 10 and counting out yourself. So, look, as I say, gadgets gadgets are in our life for a reason because they're, look, they work. They wouldn't be made and they wouldn't be mass-produced if they didn't work and, look, if they didn't sell, essentially. So, look, they're there as, as a help to ourselves, but... They're not something I would get fixated on or I suppose, look, you can go into huge details, look, as you know yourself, I'm sure you can see, you can buy a top of the range smartwatch and you can buy one for three to four euro. Look, as I say, they both tell the time, they, they both have step trackers. One may not be exactly as accurate as the other, but it gets it gets you 99% of the way. So it's, it's something that, yes, don't, don't get caught up on and don't follow the fads or follow the all the fancy pants people on Instagram because look, this guy I follow has a Garmin watch that was seven hundred quid. But yes, he might be tracking his runs a hell of a lot more kind of directly and he's really trying to get feedback from his runs a lot more than where you might just do twenty minutes on the on the treadmill in the gym, you know. So don't don't get caught up with the fads or following the trends, you know, or Keeping up with the Joneses, that's the biggest one. Don't be keeping up with the Joneses. Just worry about yourself and look, knowing what you needed to do. So having that knowledge in your head of, look, I needed to track the steps. I need to be able to, to somewhat let me know when my heart rate is up and down and when I'm working at my, at my absolute best. So that can be got for a hell of a lot cheaper than some, some of these watches are, are coming out on the prices and then Look, you can get your your whip bands that you're talking about. Yes, they're they're all the range. It's really it's down to yourself and your own preference. How how efficient you want to be able to work and how look how how well you want to get your results or how efficiently you want to get them. So it's it's down to the investment and the results you want. That's really what the the watches and the kind of accessories come down to. What I find. Yeah, I think it's, um, you're really just nailing it there. I think it's important to realize before you go buying a watch because it tracks your steps and tracks your calories, tracks your heart rate and your sleep, start, start off simple and easy. Everyone, I think the majority of people have a smartphone. I'm not going to say everyone because probably everyone doesn't. But you can buy, you can download a free step tracker, although most smartphones have a health app already installed and that tracks your steps do that before you go spending 120 300 euro on a smartwatch hopefully I, that, that, that's the number one I suppose that I suppose any any client will come into me and they start talking to me and the first question is should I buy an Apple watch should I buy a Garmin should I buy a Samsung Galaxy watch and I could turn around and tell them, well, if you want to buy one, I can give you a recommendation for one I one I got on, on eBay for, for, for three ninety nine and it's 
it's going the last four years. It's it's great, you know. You, you put you put it on first thing in the morning, and you forget you forget it's even on during the day. It it may not be aesthetically pleasing looking, but look, it's at the end of the day, it does it does exactly what it says in the tin. So, yes, you you find find the most manageable and most efficient way of doing it because you've already bought your phone, you've already been using your phone all day every day. Ninety nine percent of the people have it in their hand or their pocket all day, anyways. So that's gonna that's gonna help track your steps anyway. So knowing that if the phone's gonna be always on your body, yes, just download it onto the tracker app, or then you need to look into getting the foot bands uh, or your your uh, your watch, something that's gonna be always on your body for for the entirety of the day. I think that's a perfect way to end it. So uh, we'll leave it there, and we'll look at a future episode. We'll do a full breakdown of macros because we've mentioned it now I think two or three times at this stage and also we're going to incorporate sleep again and also do a full look at different supplements not just your protein shakes but also things like uh, omega-3 tablets probiotics and creating and any other supplements which you might think is worth mentioning yeah, look, that's that's perfect. That sounds good. And look, is there anybody listening there? Any questions or any feedback or points you'd like um that you'd like us to talk about or like us to zone in on? Just just throw us a quick message. Perfect. Thanks very much. Perfect, lad. Chat you later. Chat you. Bye bye. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Don Censored Fitness Podcast. If you haven't already, please check out part one where we go through goal setting, the importance of steps and eat, uh, body weight exercises, as well as the importance of compound movements and the role they play in your fitness journey. Again, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, don't be shy. You can message either Sean or myself. Thanks for listening. Bye.